Hello, welcome to the monthly Skill Bite Show, where we share information that is geared to helping you succeed in your business. This is Judy Weintraub, CEO of Skill Bites and host of this show. If you want to position yourself as an expert, one of the best ways to do that is to become a published author. Skillbytes author platform provides the easiest way to get a book written and published. Today, our guest is Linda Ratner, founder of Ratner Consulting. Linda has built, sold, and continues to operate successful businesses across several industries. She has developed rare practical insights into operating systems, creating and managing key performance indicators, and creating work environments that foster the success of any venture. 80% of entrepreneurs fail, primarily because they don't have good systems or metrics. Linda's going to share with us six components that entrepreneurs need to focus on to grow and scale their organization. Linda, welcome to the Skill Bite Show. We are so delighted to have you join us today. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Let's start with having you tell us a little bit about your entrepreneurial journey. What did you do before you founded Ratner Consulting and what led you to start your firm? Well, um, you know, I come from a very entrepreneurial family and everybody as far back as I can remember has been a business owner. So uh, when my dad moved us from Mexico City to Laredo, Texas, which is a little small town um, on the southern border, uh, he opened a couple of businesses there and the expectation was that we would work and learn the business. So before I could ever see over the counter, I could already give you change in different denominations. If you paid me with pesos, I can give you money back in American dollars and vice versa. And so I learned all about inventory control and some of the things to run the business. And by the time I turned 18, I realized I didn't want any of that. And so right about that time, my dad also lost the business because he didn't have any systems in place. And the peso devaluated significantly during that time. And so he said, well, if you're going to go off to college, you're going to have to pay for it yourself because, you know, he had put everything into the business and there was nothing left for him to uh, help us go to school. So off I went and I came to San Antonio and I got a degree in nursing and I'm really not sure why that happened. I think it was divine intervention because uh, nursing was not really ever in my cards. I was terrified of blood. So <laughs> oh my. I don't know how that happened. Um, so anyway, finished nursing school and uh, got over my fear of blood and went into the emergency room. And that's where I met my husband, who was an emergency room doctor at the time. So now you know why you went into nursing. I think that that's exactly why, you know, we were there. It was a small hospital. We met, we got married and um, I moved to a level one trauma center because uh, it was really difficult working side by side with him. And so, and I wanted more experience. So went to this level one trauma and when we would come home after work, we would still talk about how many people were in the emergency room that really didn't need to be there. And they were taking resources from the people that really needed to be there. So we decided to open an urgent care clinic. 
And we opened that clinic in 2010. And it was March 1st that we opened the doors. And by June, I don't remember exactly when in June, but just four months later, I opened my bank account online and I was thinking, oh my gosh, this is just enough for one more payroll. We had 12 employees. The clinic was doing well quickly. It, I mean, it really was doing well, but within four months, there wasn't going to be much more money left. And so I immediately panicked and thought, who thought it was a good idea for a registered nurse to run this sort of business? You know, are you kidding me? I didn't know anything about financial statements. I didn't know anything about holding people accountable. I didn't know anything about anything except medicine. And, uh, you know, what little my dad taught me did not pertain here. So, you know, there was a lot of money at stake. We had personally guaranteed a loan of over a million dollars. And so I said, okay, well, there's no other option here. I really need to learn how to fix this. And so that involved learning how to bill and how to code with the medical codes. And that meant I needed to fire the current accountant and the billing service because they didn't do me any favors. So that's what I did, Judy. I started working 20 hour days until I fixed it. And by the end of the year, so December, money was starting to come in and we were caught up with accounts receivable. And uh, that was great. I had figured out the finance part of it. Still didn't understand the people component of it. I was still extremely bad at holding anybody accountable. So that's what the beginning of, of the journey looked like for me. Well, the people part is definitely one of the hardest parts, I think, for most business owners. Oh, yeah. It was extremely difficult because while I was uh, learning how to do all the financial stuff, and thank thankfully, it clicked for me. I enjoy you know details, and I enjoy numbers and that kind of thing. Uh, what I didn't want to do was upset the staff because on top of working with the finances and operations and the clinical aspect, I had to throw on a pair of scrubs every now and then and go be a nurse on the floor because we were so busy half the time. And so I couldn't imagine holding anybody accountable. I wanted them to like me. I didn't want them to leave because if they left, I'd be in more trouble. And so uh, I soon realized I had no skills to hold people accountable and my leadership skills were lacking is an understatement. So during that time, I decided that I needed to become more educated and I joined a Vistage group, which is a peer advisory group where I was able to learn a lot about leadership skills, um, but there was still some missing pieces there. So uh, I got an MBA and there were still some missing pieces there. And it wasn't until I read the book Traction and started implementing some of those systems and tools into the organization that things really took off for us. Uh, we eventually ended up selling the company and uh, I stayed on and, and grew it for, uh, I stayed on for four years and I scaled it for them. I opened five clinics in three years, which is crazy fast, but that has to do with the systems that were in place. Okay, and so then after you left the the urgent care um, business, you is that when you opened Ratner Consulting? Right. So um, 
you know, my life had had so much purpose and, and meaning my, my career up until that point. And so when I left the, the business, I was kind of lost and I didn't know what I was going to do. So, and I wanted something that was going to be very meaningful for me. I don't want to work just for the sake of working. I mean, if I was going to do that, I could get any old job. And I wanted something that was going to really make a difference, like being a nurse and, and owning ur urgent care centers had made a difference. So I gave it a lot of thought and um, I opened Ratner Consulting with a goal of helping other business owners, other entrepreneurs um, navigate through all of the obstacles and challenges that they face as being business owners and to help them through that by teaching them some tools. So I sat down in my living room. I still remember it like it was yesterday. It's about three years ago. And I thought, I'm just going to put a system together. You know, I've got the education. I've got the experience. I could do this. And then again, divine intervention. There's my traction book on my bookcase. And I said, I'm going to see what ideas Mr. Gino Wickman has. And I started rereading it and I thought, oh my gosh, I, I don't have to put it together. It's here. I just need to learn how to do this. So I signed up for boot camp. I went and learned how to implement it for clients and the rest is history. That's what I've been doing. Love it. Changes Excellent. lives. Very good. Well, let's, let's dive into that a little bit more. Tell us more about the system that is discussed in Traction, um, the EOS system. Yeah. So the system um, stems from a model, right, that he put together that says that entrepreneurs struggle with 136 different issues at the same time. And that uh, to the extent that they can strengthen those six key components of the model, those issues will fall into place because most of the time they're symptoms of a true root cause. So we need to get really good at solving the root cause of the of the problem and also strengthening those six key components. So would you like me to go over the six key components? Sure. All well, right. let's go, let, tell me what they are and then we'll go over each one. All right. So the, the six components are the vision component, people, data, issues, processes, and traction is the last component. And each component has two tools. And uh, we use these tools to strengthen that component. Of course, the book says there are two tools, but we implementers have a much larger toolbox that we use. But yeah, so um, for the vision component, for instance, we have two tools that we use. And the first one is a two-page document that we call the Vision Traction Organizer. It's a VTO. And it's basically a simplified strategic plan for a business because we don't want to kill the entrepreneurial spirit and create this 30, 40, 50 page document that no one ever looks at. So Gino simplified it and created this two page document with eight simple questions. And we go through the exercise of answering the questions and, you know, the questions are, what are your core values? You know, what are your guiding principles? What's your core focus? Where's your sweet spot of the business? What do you need to be really focused on? This keeps entrepreneurs from chasing shiny objects throughout the journey. Then we have the, the business owner set a 10-year plan. This is going to give us a long-range goal to keep them focused on where we're going. You know, where, where are we going on vacation? This is where we're going. And then after that, we take some time to create a marketing strategy 
And within that strategy, it's really all about selecting the right people uh, in terms of clients, the profile of the right clients, so that all of the energy and resources are focused towards finding the right clients. And we go through an exercise to select the right demographic, geographic, and psychographic profile for those clients. So the psychographic profile is one of the most important things because that gives you an idea of whether you'll be able to, to work with that person and if that person has the right attitude and the, you know, is, is ready. The psychographic profile basically helps you determine how that client thinks and what they want. And then we create... Can you, can you stop there and just give us an example? of a some of the aspects of a psychographic profile sure um so like for me right when i look for clients for eos uh or for any of the other things i do because i'm in consulting and coaching i want my clients to be open-minded green and growing humble and respectful so when i'm talking to people and i'm either presenting the, the initial tools to them to see if they're interested. I'm listening to see if they're a good fit for me as well. And I'm paying attention to what they ask and how they speak. Um, and I'm making sure that their psychographic profile of being humble, open, green and growing, respectful is going to align. Because if it doesn't, there's not a whole lot I can do. And honestly, um, I don't want to work with somebody that I can't really teach anything to anymore. So if they already know everything, there's really no point. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. I'm not sure what green and growing means, but I, I get the sense of what a psychographic profile is. So green and growing just means that they haven't gotten to the point where they think they know it all. They still, they're still willing to learn more. and. Okay and to read more and open-minded to, to the fact that there's still a lot they don't know. Um, because if you're not green and growing in the business world, you're, you know, you're, you're going to die. Uh, Cause there's so many things, you know, we need to stay on top of, you know, the economy, the pandemics, the people, and what, how we manage businesses in the seventies or, you know, even, even in the eighties, is not the way we manage today. And today, no one wants a leader that's, you know, a, a uh, authoritarian, authoritative type of leader who just throws out orders. So we have to keep changing. Uh, there's so many things that change through the years and the generations change. So you have to be green and growing um, in order to survive, innovate, that kind of thing. Right, okay. Yeah, and so after we figure out their uh, their marketing strategy, then we take a good look at what the company needs to look like in three years. And that three-year picture really sets the foundation to achieving that 10-year target. So we clearly get that vision out of the founder's head and the leadership team, and we put it on paper so everybody knows exactly what the company is going to look like in three short years. Then after that, we move over to a one-year plan. And the one-year plan, you know, the three-year picture helps us set that one-year plan, right? Because now we know where we're going to be in three years. So what do we need to do one year from today to get us there? And so we pick 
three to seven goals. And we don't pick more than that because if everything's important, you know the saying, nothing's important. Um, and we work on the most important things we need to do this year so that we're on, on track to achieve that three-year picture, which is a foundation for that 10-year target. And then we break it down even further on the VTO, the Vision Traction Organizer, and we, we break down that year into quarters. And we call the, the most important 90-day priorities, we call them ROCKS in EOS. And EOS stands for Entrepreneurial Operating System. I always forget to say that. So that's what it stands for. So ROCKS are what keep us super focused on the most important things we need to do during the quarter to achieve that one-year plan. And then the last question on the VTO is just, it's just a parking lot for any issues, challenges, or opportunities that come up so we can get them out of the uh, team's head because there's a lot of therapy to knowing that nothing is going to fall through the cracks. We have a place to leave all these, these opportunities, issues, and challenges, and we can focus that on them when the time is right. Right, and keep track of them. Mm -hmm. Right, right. And then um, the next tool is just shared by all. It's a tool that's very simple and it's just sharing that vision with everyone in the organization. And that just means you get everybody into a room, everybody in the business once a quarter and you give them a state of the company address. You say, here's how we're doing, here's where we're going, here's where we've been, and here's our core values. And you know, being as transparent as possible with them so they know where you're taking them and they get buy-in and they're willing to help. And we do this every quarter and we pull out this VTO every quarter to make sure everybody's still on the same page because many times people are not on the same page anymore. So we either need to get them back on the same page or we need to realign some of the metrics in there. And that's what makes the vision component of an organization strong. Any, okay, yeah. so that's the first of the six components, is that right? Mm-hmm. Okay. That's correct. And then we move on to people? That's right, we move on to people. So the people component is simply having the right people in the right seats, because you will not be able to achieve the company's vision if you don't have the right people in the right seats. And so that's just a term that was popularized by Jim Collins in his book, Good to Great. And very simply, what it means is right people are the people that fit your company like a glove. They fit the culture. They're people that you like and that share your core values. That's right people. And we go through an exercise uh, where we discover the company, the leadership team's core values. And once we have those core values, then we, we use a filter that we call the people analyzer to put the employees and the leadership team through so that we can see if they are the right people and if those are even the right core values because a lot of time people have these aspirational values um, when we opened our clinic we wanted to be a life a work-life balance company and so we told people when we were hiring that that's what we were but in reality we never were that we were workhorses and so when we would hire people that wanted holidays off or weekends off or wanted time for their family and vacations, we didn't like them. They didn't fit us. 
And it doesn't make you good or bad. It just makes you who you are. And so it would have been better for us to tell people when we were hiring them, hey, look, you know, we're looking for workhorses, people that are going to put the patient first at all times. And it doesn't matter, you know, you'll have time off, but it'll be when it's convenient. That would have made so much more sense. And those people are out there. And by putting life, life work balance people into the company, we didn't do them or us any favors. So that's right, people. Right seats are just the people that have the God-given talent to do the work. They have the natural talent, they have the experience, the education, and the desire to do the work. And uh, the tool we use for that is called the accountability chart. And we just create an accountability chart for each of the companies. And it's very individual. And every company has three major functions. That's sales and marketing, operations, and finance. And we make sure that we fill those leadership roles with the right people who have the ability to do those jobs. And then we go about filling the whole rest of the organization uh, correctly with the right functions and roles so that everyone in the organization is doing a job they love to do and are good at doing. And then when you have that combination of right people in the right seats, magic happens because as we talked earlier, people are the largest frustration and they're also what makes up the largest expense. So by doing this, you really eliminate a lot of the frustrations and you set expectations with your people. Here's the core values we're going to live by, and here's our accountability chart. So expectations and accountability are super clear. All right. So we move to the third component, data. Right, the data component. So the data component is simply a way to boil down the organization to good, solid, hard data and facts and not to run the organization on egos and emotions that typically drive decision-making in entrepreneurial teams and businesses. And how we strengthen the data component is we simply use a scorecard. And a scorecard is a document, imagine a, a spreadsheet, and it has a uh, person who is responsible for the goal. It has the measurable, meaning the action item that needs to be accomplished. It's got a goal for that action item. And then it's coupled with 13 weeks at a glance so you can see any trends or patterns as they develop. The, the scorecard gives the business owner a pulse on how the business is doing. And we look at it weekly instead of monthly or quarterly because this allows us to really make pivots and corrections before the end of the quarter when financials have come out and it's too late. So we try to use action items that are gonna get allow us to reach our goals. So that could be anything that creates sales or revenue. And everybody in the organization ends up having a number they're responsible for. So even the receptionist or the janitor feel like they're helping us reach our vision because they each have a number, a measurable they're responsible for. So for the receptionist, it could be getting the mail and opening it and distributing it before noon. For the janitor, it could be positive Google reviews about the cleanliness of the location. Whatever that is, that 
that the uh, leadership team selects or the people responsible for the janitor or the receptionist, then, you know, it's shared with that person and make sure that they have buy-in and, and then they help achieve those goals and they feel like they're part of the solution. So um, that's the first tool is the scorecard. And the second tool is the measurable, which I already discussed. It's just the action item. It's the number that I'm responsible for helping my team to, to fulfill in reaching our goals. And that's how the scorecard works. And it's super important. You know, if I had been watching my scorecard early on, I would have known that something was not going well. And I wouldn't have gotten to the point where I opened the bank account and saw only one payroll left. So managing, managing your business with numbers is so important. And I can't tell you how many people don't do it. Yeah, well, it's, it's, it's time consuming to do. And when you're trying to run a business, you think, okay, I, I can call clients or I can look at my data. And most people will decide because yeah. that's how the revenue comes in. That's right. And so it's really important that they understand that the amount of time that it takes to set up a good scorecard and to populate a good scorecard is definitely worth the, you know, the, 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 the payoff is so, is so worth it because upfront it might take a little time, but it's going to save you so much more time in the end and so much more money because the scorecard is like your vital signs. You can't ignore it. You know, if you're high, if you have high blood pressure, you need to do something. It takes time to go get your blood pressure checked. Well, yeah. How much more time is it going to take to, to feed you and take care of you if you have a stroke? And, you know, your business can't afford a stroke. Neither can you. Neither can I. Hopefully not. Mm -mm. Okay. Right. So next is issues. Right. Issues is the next uh, component that we have to strengthen. And issues is about getting really good at solving problems, obstacles, challenges, uh, even opportunities as they arise and not sweeping them under the rug. So the main thing here is we teach people a tool called IDS, and it stands for Identify, Discuss, and Solve. And what I really try to teach my clients is that, they, that the, the issue that's usually either written down or the initial issue that people bring to the table typically tends to be a symptom and not the actual issue. It's not the root cause. So IDS helps them to identify the issue by digging really deep. And then they go through a round of discussion about, is this the right issue? Is this, you know, what do we, you know, what's going on? And when the discussion becomes redundant, then we move to solve the issue. And so that's what IDS is, identify, discuss, and solve. But the main thing with the issues component, Judy, is that it's so important that the business, the leadership team, team of the business or the founder all know that it's much more important for anybody, anybody anywhere in the organization to feel comfortable bringing up issues. Because if they don't feel comfortable and they're the people in the trenches, so much can go wrong and they become resentful 
And depending on your industry, lots of bad things can happen if the people that are in the trenches don't have a way of bringing up issues without being made to feel like they are incompetent or that their issues don't matter. So the message here is don't shoot the, don't shoot the messenger. You know, make sure you listen. And the old thing about, well, before you bring me an issue, make sure you have a solution. Well, a lot of times they don't have a solution and that's why they're bringing it to you. And shooting them is just wrong. Listen, we need to listen and make sure that, that we have a culture that allows for everybody to raise an issue and that we reassure them that that issue is going to get put on a list somewhere to be discussed and possibly solved. Right. And if you can't solve it or discuss it soon, you at least get back to the person who raised it and let them know when you're going to get to it and why you're not getting to it sooner so that they don't feel like it's gone into a black hole. Right. And my favorite example um, for issues is something from my own past in the emergency room where taking care of a lot of patients and not having um, the right resources available, you know, the, the statistics are that 200,000 people die from medication errors every year in the hospital system nationwide. And it's very easy to point the finger at the nurses because we're the ones medicating the patients. But when you really think about the situation and nurses are overburdened, you, we've got 10 patients instead of what's safe, three patients in the ER, maybe two, depending on how critical they are. And we have all the medication vials look identical. So potassium looks identical to normal saline. Normal saline is what your blood is made of. I'm, I can give you a ton of normal saline. That's what IVs are made of and nothing's going to happen. But I give you a little bit of potassium and that's it. But the vials all look the same. We're overworking our nurses. And there isn't an environment in most hospitals that's safe enough for a nurse to go up to her supervisor and say, you know what? I nearly draw, drew up potassium and could have killed somebody because nobody wants to feel incompetent. We certainly don't want our supervisor to think we're incompetent. So we keep our mouth shut and we thank God it wasn't us. And then the next poor schmo comes along and they're the ones that do it. Um, so that's not a good environment. So how okay. do we resolve that? So we need to, so the issue isn't just, oh yeah, 200,000 people are dying. We need to figure out how to make that situation better. And it starts at the very top and it goes all the way down to the bottom, right? You know, it's not just, it's not just the nurses. So that's what the issues uh, component is about. And the two tools are IDS. So identify, discuss, and solve. And then the issues list. And the issues list is simply this parking lot that I told you about when I discussed the vision traction organizer so that we know that any issue, opportunity, or challenge that presents itself is going to get put on that list so that we have it to look at later. Because uh, what we don't want to do is take our eye off the ball while we're working on our rocks for the quarter, unless this is a you know, big fire we need to, to take care of. But this keeps us very focused. And then we know, okay, well, that'll be there. And, and when do you do the IDS? Is that at the weekly meeting? Yes. 
Yes, and that's part of the traction component, this weekly meeting, and we, we spend a lot of time IDSing. That's the majority of the meeting, and it's done weekly, absolutely. And we say, you know, if you don't have issues, you have issues. <laughs> so <laughs> companies that say, oh, we don't have any issues, oh, they've got a big issue right there because there are always issues. And again, I'm not sure that that's the best word for what we're trying to say because it could be opportunities as well. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. The fifth key component that we work to strengthen is a process component. And that, that component is just about getting all of the right things done in the business the best and correct way each and every time. So that when somebody touches any of those processes, they're done consistently each time that creates of course efficiency and scalability it makes the business much more fun to run and it makes it much more profitable too and the two tools we use for that are documenting and the way we document is at a very high level we use a 2080 approach to documenting we take the 20 most important steps and we document those to help us get to the 80%, well, to help us get 80% of the way there. This way we don't end up with a 750 page SOP manual that no one ever looks at or reads and ends up being used as a doorstop somewhere. And then we get everybody to follow these processes and the next tool is just called followed by all. The whole thing with the processes is that there shouldn't be hundreds of them. There should just be a handful the handful of core processes that most businesses have is an HR one, how to handle people coming in and out of the organization. We've got a sales and marketing process. We've got two or three operations processes. And we have an accounting process. We might even have a, a customer satisfaction process. So just a handful of them, not a lot. And then again, we document those at a very high level so that they're clear, concise, and everybody's doing the important things the best and correct way each and every time. That's what makes for a strong process component. All right. And then last but not least is one called traction. Correct. So traction uh, is about creating discipline and accountability throughout the organization. And sadly for the founders of the organization, the vision component does not become realized most of the time because of a weakness in the traction component. So to strengthen the traction component and make everybody more accountable and disciplined, we have two tools. And the first one is called rocks and rocks were part of the VTO. And those are just the most important things we have to do every 90 days to stay focused on achieving the vision of the company. Rocks, uh, create a 90-day world for the organization. And it looks something like this. So for the next 90 days, you're very focused on completing that rock and you've got your head down and you're just, you know, burning and turning and you're getting your work done. And by the end of the 90 days, people are beginning to get frayed and they're tired and they look up and it's 90 days. It's time to reset the vision for the next 90 days. So we get together. We do a company of the state address. We tell everyone what we accomplished. Our the leadership company. <laughs> What's that? 
You said a company of the state. <laughs> a state of the company address. <laughs> yeah, the other way around. Uh, yeah, it's funny because being bilingual sometimes has its uh, its pros and its cons. There's a con right there. <laughs> Um, so the next thing we do then is we get together as a leadership team and we look at the VTO and make sure everything's still correct. And if not, we, we, we get commit to realignment and we set rocks for the next 90 days and we go back to working on those rocks and that creates a cadence of 90 days. So we have quarterly meetings that keeps this cadence going. And then the next tool we use to strengthen the traction component is the level 10 meeting. And this creates little mini pulses between those 90 days so that everybody's on track to accomplish the goals for the 90 days. And the way the meeting works is it's actually one of my favorite tools. We spend the first 25 minutes of the meeting just reporting on our rocks, our scorecards, any employee and, and customer headlines, we report on any issues and our weekly to-do list. And all we do is report. There's no real conversation other than on track or off track. And anything that's either not done or off track gets dropped down to the issues list. And for the next 60 minutes, the team spends IDSing all those issues. And they prioritize the issues in order of importance rather than taking them the way they're written. They prioritize the top three things that need to get done today. And if they're lucky enough to get through those top three things, then they reprioritize the list again and keep going until the 60 minutes are up. Actually 55 minutes because uh, we, well, no, it's 60. And then we leave five minutes at the end to conclude. And the conclusion is very simple. We recap the to-dos, make sure everybody knows what's expected for the week. We look and see if there's any cascading messages that need to be sent to the rest of the team because I can't tell you how many times we worked on stuff um, at the leadership level and then forgot to tell the staff. So the next day I'd walk in, the next week I'd walk into the clinic and say, hey, where's that form that we released? Well, nobody at the front desk knew because one of the managers forgot to tell them. So by assigning somebody to cascade that message as a to-do, we're sure it'll get done because it's on a to-do list. And then we rate the meetings. We always rate the meetings on a scale of one to 10. And 10 means we solved issues, we did a good job solving them, and we got work done. It doesn't mean we had a good time. It doesn't mean things went our way. It just means we got some good work done. And that's what makes for a strong traction component that creates a lot of discipline and accountability because think about sitting at a meeting in a meeting with a leadership team and saying all of the things you're responsible for are either on or off track. And how often are these level 10 meetings? They're every week and the oh, meeting takes place. Meeting. Yeah, it's a weekly meeting every, every week, same time, same day. And we tell them, you know, this is not a meeting that you want to miss. This is a meeting that you miss only if you're on vacation or you're dead. And, and that's, you know, those are the two excuses that, that we tell our leadership teams. Even if two people are missing and that means there's two people left, you still have the meeting because it, it's important to have it and to create the consistency and the cadence. 
And then those meetings are, are uh, filtered down to everybody else in the organization. So some of the people below middle management may, may be in a much abbreviated type of meeting, but everybody has at least some sort of a reporting structure where they can talk about their, their, their rocks or goals being on or off track. So and, Linda, this, this really sounds like a great system for at least mid-size or large companies, but what about small businesses? If you only have yourself or a few people, how does that work? Well, it works the same. And even though our target market is companies that are at 2 million and above, it works for every size. So even with Ratner Consulting, I have a level 10 meeting every Monday with my one assistant and we go through the reporting and we have our a, a scorecard and we have an accountability chart. That way she knows what she's responsible for. I know what I'm responsible for. Expectations are very clear. Our scorecard helps us stay in line with what we need to do. And uh, the, the, I mean, I think the main thing here when you're a small business owner, when you just, it's either just you and one other employee is the clear communication this creates. and the creation of the vision traction organizer so that you as a business owner stay focused on where you're going and how you're going to get there. Cause it's very easy to get distracted when you're wearing multiple hats. Right. Yep. So that's no different. It's just that you're wearing more hats and hopefully as the business grows, some of the tools that we teach are also all about delegation. And so you have to get better at delegating and finding ways to clone yourself so that you're not bottlenecking the business which is difficult if uh, if you're the only one there you have to figure out um, how to hire people or you know bring on virtual assistants or whatever right and you have to get creative with that because a virtual assistant can be expensive or they don't have to be expensive you know there's a lot of options um, some of my clients are using people in the Philippines or in India, and they do a really good job and they're affordable. So it, it all depends on what you need and what you want to accomplish. But there are other ways and you don't have to bring in employees. They can be 1099s. But the main thing that I really like to talk about with a small business owner and even the, the next stage up is that it you know, when we're creating the accountability chart and we talk about the three main functions of a business, sales and marketing, operations and finance, most people are really good at operations. So when you open a business, you're going to do what you love to do, whether that's practice law, medicine, you're a plumber, an electrician, whatever it is, you're going to do that really well and you're going to love to do it. And the other two functions get neglected. And nobody likes sales and marketing. So that gets totally neglected. And when you don't have sales and marketing, leads aren't coming in, sales aren't coming in. So we have to pay attention to that. And we have to find some time, some resources, whether it's time or money to devote to that function or the business is not going to thrive. And the same holds true for finance. You can't neglect that piece. So you either have to hire a bookkeeper to help keep your QuickBooks in order so you have a really good idea of what your business's vital signs look like and a good accountant to help you with that. And then have a decent understanding of how to read some financials. 
Well, you've got six really important components, but if you're trying to run a business, implementing all six is going to be really hard. Is there a uh, an order to them? Do we go in the order that you just uh, gave us with the first, starting with the VTO um, or the vision? Um, and sort of go through each of the six that way and roughly how much time should you expect to spend going through developing the six components? Well, this is a lifelong journey. It's not, it doesn't ever end. And we don't, we don't implement the six components one at a time. They're implemented sim simultaneously. And depending on the size of the organization, for instance, if it's just one person, then I like to start them with a vision traction organizer because it gives us all a sense of where they want to take the business. And it's like the roadmap. But if I'm working with a business that has employees, then I always start with a traction component because if you can't get traction in the business, the vision will not be realized. So we have to have everybody understand what discipline and accountability looks like. And to do that, aside from the level 10 meetings and the rocks, we have to put the right people in the right seats and we have to create a scorecard and we have to start learning how to solve issues. So it's all together. We do it all at the same time. When you're just a single business owner, you don't have the people to deal with. You don't have a lot. I mean, the issues you deal with, you deal with on your own, but we still talk about them. And we always create an accountability chart looking six to 12 months out. Cause if you want to, if you think in, in a year, you're going to have a couple of employees. We should probably define what their functions and roles are going to look like so you don't make hiring mistakes. Does that make sense? Yeah. And just if from your experience with working with your clients, how long does it generally take for an organization to implement this effectively? Well, it takes me about two years to show, to teach, to pull out all of the tools I have in my toolbox and teach them how to use those tools and let them get really masterful at the tools. But then there's a whole part of, of this, which is uh, the quarterlies that we run with EOS, they require a facilitator. And some business owners don't want to facilitate the meetings because that kind of takes them out of being in participation. Because mm -hmm. when you're a facilitator, your job is to stay neutral, right? And bring everybody else's um, key points and ideas out. Right. So uh, a lot of business owners continue to, to keep the implementers on for as long you know, as, as it takes for them to achieve their goals. And the goals are consistently changing. So it, it, it depends. In two years, I can teach you all the tools you need. Um, if you're a single business owner and if you have a big company, you might want a facilitator to hang with you for the rest of your journey. It's very individual. Okay. Well, we're coming to the end of the session here. Is there one takeaway or action that you could recommend that would have the biggest impact or move the needle the most for small business owners? Yeah, I guess one one uh, a couple of things I would say is 
If you don't have an operating system in place, you need to put one in place because this is what gives you direction in your business and it makes it helps everybody else see where you're going if you have employees. So I would start by reading the book Traction or Get a Grip. They're both by Gino Wickman. He's the one that wrote those. And then the other thing that's become plain to me after this COVID crisis and the quarantine we had is so many business owners would have been just fine if they had some financial literacy. And there's nothing wrong with not knowing how how to read your statements, but it's time. We need to learn how to read them. So I'm recommending everybody read Simple Numbers and Profit First and get that system, the Profit First system into place. There's really no reason why anyone should go through this again. And if we go through a, a second wave of COVID, you know the government isn't going to, I don't think the government is going to give us more money. So if, if we haven't been good stewards of the money that we've been given thus far, businesses are going to suffer. And now they have these loans to pay back. It's going to be horrible. So there are ways to get around this. It's an opportunity for those that have a runway, a safety net of six, three to six months of expenses in a bank account somewhere. This is going to be a great opportunity for them. And for those that don't, it's going to be difficult. Yep. Very good. Yeah, I, I've read both of the um, the books, Profit First and Simple Numbers. And for those who are a little bit um, embarrassed or, or scared of uh, reading a financial book, both of those are pretty easy. They're designed for the people who who don't really like focusing on numbers and they're, they're nice, simple systems to follow. Exactly. And of course, you know, Judy, I'm always open to talking to anyone and guiding them. And, uh, you know, my, my goal is to help others so they don't have to go through what I went through because I know what that was like and it was terrible. Well, that brings me to my, my next point for you, which was if somebody wanted to get in touch with you, what would be the best way for them to do that? Well, let me give you my email. It's L Ratner. L-R-A-T-N-E-R at RatnerConsult.com. R-A-T-N-E-R-C-O-N-S-U-L-T.com. And they can also visit my website, which is www.RatnerConsult.com. And there's a, a button where they can call and set an appointment to talk to me. Excellent. Well, Linda, thank you so much for being our guest today. I've gotten a lot out of this, and I'm sure the listeners as well will be getting a lot of good information to help them not only um, help them survive, but hopefully help them scale their businesses going forward. For sure. And, you know, for those, of the, for those business owners that are out there that have a larger company than a solopreneur that are in the target market for this, I'm happy to go over the system with them and show them how it works and how it can help their company. And that's complimentary as well. Excellent. That's really generous of you. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. It was great to be with you today.